0: Hey, folks, doesn't it feel nice that we're back? It's Jeremy Kirkland. It's Blamo. We got 19 more episodes this season. Well, I mean, counting this one. And I'm just so glad to be in this rhythm with you all, even when it feels like the world is on fire. All right. Hang in there, everyone. Just, just hang in there. Speaking of hanging in there, I've been watching the G word on Netflix lately. And while I've been enlightened, excited, and let's be honest, incredibly depressed, this show has given me a ton of hope. It really has because it's like, all right, what do we do from here? And by the way, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, it's the recent project from Adam Conover of Adam Ruins Everything, who, by the way, surprise, also happens to be my guest this week. And look, you'll, you'll hear us talk about this on the pod, but after seeing it all, hear me out. The show definitely demystifies tons of things we take for granted, from GPS to weather to how we protect America's food supply chain. It's it's eye-opening, to say the absolute least. But it's also like, yeah, some of this stuff sucks. And, and I have to say, hearing Adam talk about this stuff is very refreshing because he's not selling Sunset here. Oh, pun. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> he's admitting the hard realities we're in. Helping us laugh at it, and which, if by the way, if you want to hear me discuss how comedians are philosophers, I need a good 90 minutes on another podcast. But I mean, it, it was great. And the show is amazing. It was awesome. And by the way, this chat we did was amazing. And man, did we get into the weeds on stuff. We talk about clothes, watches, how to own something without it owning you, which you'll you'll hear about. We also chat about how Adam lives his values within reason. From having an existence-free life of Amazon and Google to taking the bus rather than owning a car in LA, which is not known for the world's best public transit, Adam also gives his classically eloquent opinions on fast fashion, the struggle of finding the right suits for his recent show, The G Word, college athletes not getting paid enough, traditional Ivy style, being a collector of video games. I mean, it's all in there and we just went at it. So without further ado, Here's my chat with Adam Ponover. Well, first off, thanks so much for making the time to join. And I know you got a lot of things going on and uh, I'm, go- but I'm glad we were able to do this. Like I usually, you know, I mean, it's the schedule stuff is, is pretty crazy with folks and I'm, I'm really, really glad we were able to do this. So thanks so much.
1: Oh, of course. Thanks so much for having me.
0: You're definitely a, a personality and a pretty wild character on the internet for like memes for like basically breaking down. And by the way, I want to say, and I will put this on here. I am astounded by your convictions that you continue to live out, not just through your character, but you as a real life person, because as we were talking earlier, you seem you're averse to the Amazon stuff. You're averse to, uh, Oh yeah. Stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I live, I, I wouldn't say I live a monkish existence, but I do, I do live out my values. I, um, yeah, I don't order things on Amazon. Um, I de-Googlified a couple years ago. I don't use any Google services. I use DuckDuckGo. I don't use Chrome. Specifically, I don't use Chrome because it's like piece of shit software that'll like fuck up your computer. Um that, that's the main reason I don't use it. Like I'll go to Google.com occasionally when the DuckDuckGo search doesn't get what I want. You know what I mean? It's sure. not like that, but I'm like, I don't want to participate in Google anymore. Um and there's like replacement service services for all these things. There's a wonderful service called Fast Mail, you could try, um, oh. which like reproduces perfectly the Gmail interface without any of the bullshit. um let's see I don't I quit driving a couple of years ago I take the bus um I in did LA. notice that
0: yeah that you're yeah you're, you're full-on bus guy public transit all the way
1: I take the bus I do um try to I do obviously have to take ride shares in la mm-hmm. um I try to avoid Uber and Lyft as much as I can mm-hmm. and I use now your listeners might be interested since I know this is a this is a a this is sort of like a I should be recommending things that people might want to check out on this podcast right this is sure. that kind of podcast I mean it's 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 whatever you want it to be There's a there's a service called Alto that I use that oh, is yeah. like uh uh a little bit more of a of a black car kind of experience and the and the advantage of it is that the um the drivers are paid full time uh they're full time employees they're paid even when they're driving on the way to pick you up they don't have to bring their own car. It's a company car. They don't have to pay for gas. They just make minimum wage, which in LA is $15 an hour, which is which is not good, but it's better than what Lyft drivers are making. Yeah. And like if you ask the drivers, hey, do you like driving for this company? They'll be like, oh, yeah, it's great. I make minimum wage. <laughs> like, So that tells you that tells you something about Uber and Lyft, right? Is that like literally if you go look on like the rideshare sites that like advise rideshare drivers, you know, yeah. like, hey, are you think about getting into the gig economy? They're like, wow, Alto is great. You make minimum wage. It's incredible. so so that tells you something about uber and lyft and of course uber and lyft of like you know the money that you uh that you give to them they end up spending on trying to like erode worker protections like around the country by like passing horrible laws and things so yes i am a i'm a live my values then reason kind of person although i also one of the values i also try to live is that your individual choices as a consumer are ultimately not very important and we spend So much effort and American societies put so much pressure on us to try to solve problems just by buying different shit and no problems will be solved that way. So what we really need to do is, you know, collective action, create movements around these issues, right? Rather than, you know, the classic example, rather than like stressing over what you're going to eat for dinner that night, just eat whatever the fuck you can and get yourself to a local, you know, neighborhood council meeting where you could talk about, you know, uh, green initiatives, things like that, Particip- political participation, that sort of thing. Um, so I-, I do like to give that proviso because I- I'm, you know, while I do you know, try to live out my values, I'm not under any illusion that like everybody, you know, I, I try to avoid e- eating meat. Right. For-, for that reason. But I don't try to go around telling people everyone else needs to do the same thing because that's not how we're going to solve any type of problem um, is by trying to like individually. Sh- are you know strong arm people into changing their
0: daily habits um oh man you should uh change all the churches i mean basically you just you just <laughs> you can fix religion if that's the mindset you're gonna do <laughs> <laughs> how so well i mean in my opinion like you know and, and i'm happy to jump around this like um, and most people don't have issues with religion they have issues with people that follow the religion right mm-hmm. whether it's christianity um catholicism mormonism scientology whatever. Like generally it's the, the, the users that the members that are inflicting the chaotic pain and awkward community building that exists around the capital C church in general. And so, I mean, what it sounds like you're saying is more of like speaking around a acting as a collective versus, versus an individual, which is also very Eastern mindset, um, which is great, you know, but I think that's, that's something that there's, that could fix a lot of issues where church is going
1: yeah (laughs) i i'm I'm interested in in why you uh went to religion specifically there is that a common topic for you
0: Mm, yes and no i mean i I don't think i ever you know lean hard on religion but i grew up very heavily in the church my dad was a pastor Uh um Uh i i have a bit of an axe to grind against the church but um i'm not like anti-church the 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 weird thing is, and that I always like wonders, like, why is it that like I get emotional when I see people being together in harmony? Like, oh, surely yeah. that must have come from something. Right. Like, so I, yeah. I don't I, it's not I'm not going to say like, oh, this is that's God or whatever. But I'm always like, OK, there, there's something there. And so I've weirdly, especially since I relocated from New York back to St. Louis uh, to spend more time with my dad, who is slowly, you know, fading away. I've been like, OK, did this dude waste his whole life on this? Like, this is what he dedicated his whole life on, and I, I think it's kind of bullshit sometimes. So surely he couldn't have been that wrong. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's good and bad. I, I,
1: I'll say to your earlier point that uh, I, I take the opposite approach in terms of religion, in terms of most problems. I don't think the individuals are the problem. I think structures are almost always the problem. Oh, structures and infrastructure. Like the dogma of it? Um, not sometimes, mm-hmm. but even more importantly, the social structure um, of the oh, yeah. of the organization you sure. know the, the the leadership structure, the way the organization is arranged, like how responsive to its members is it you know what is it structured to do um, those sorts of problems what what are you know literally if you look at most problems in the world, they're caused by structural incentives, structural uh pressures Mm -hmm. on people um you know the classic example is okay so we all need to uh, i'll bring it back to green stuff we all need to uh cut carbon emissions right in order to save the planet let's all just agree on that point um well one way to do that is via transportation um i elect not to drive a gas-burning car instead i take the bus right however that is not a solution that i can impose upon other people because I specifically live in an area, and Los Angeles, by the way, is not a great area for public transportation, famously. <laughs> I happen to live in an area where it is. I, I literally move to a spot where I can catch the bus and I can get on the subway and stuff like that. I live in, in Los Feliz, and it's um, okay. in, a, in a neighborhood where that's possible. Um, yeah. For a lot of folks, it's not. Um, so if we want to solve the transportation problem by making public transportation more more accessible, that's a structural problem. It has to do with where the literal lines are drawn on the map. Where are the tunnels? Where are the buses, right? And um, why do we have a metro system that is not responsive to the people who want to use it, right? The people who, like, literally, they're people, we need more bus lines. Did they cut bus service um, and they, you know, widen freeways instead? Because the structure of the metro, uh, of, like, the literal uh, you know, Los Angeles County Metro, the board of supervisors is appointed by all these different cities and who elects the people who, uh, appoint those supervisors. It's like affluent white people who love to drive. Right. That's the problem. So we can't go around and say, Hey, every single person, you should go take the bus. No, it's a collective problem. We need to solve collectively because nobody can build a new subway tunnel by themselves. Nobody can run a bus line by themselves. Right. Right. So, um, when you're talking about like, what's the problem with the, with the, you know the Mormon church if you want to pick a particular church out of the hat right it's not like sure. a problem with individual mormons it's a problem with the you know with the overall structure and um i don't know enough about mormonism to tell you exactly what that problem is um but sure. i can tell you most problems in my view in the world work that way where they are structural rather than individual and a lot of times what we and the re- reason i came to this is because after working on Adam Ruins Everything for so long, you know, we would look at all Mm -hmm. these different topics saying, hey, you've always been told the problem with this is A, but it's actually B, right? The B is almost always like, oh, some weirdo designed the system to work this way a hundred years ago, and now we're stuck with it because we haven't examined it. Um, And once you start to examine the structure, you realize, oh, this is a pattern with almost every single problem (laughs) that faces humanity. Um, is is we have like a structure that's built poorly that's like forcing people to behave in a way that they don't want to behave. People all over Los Angeles are trapped in traffic. They're they're stuck in it going, "Ah, I hate this. I hate this. And they don't know why, right? They don't know why they hate it. They just know they hate it. And there's nothing they can do to fix it on an individual basis. There's like no better solution. Literally most people in Los Angeles drive because that is the structure is forcing them to do it. Even though it makes them miserable, even though it's hurting the planet, Right. Some people are like, no, I love my car. They're kidding themselves. Or maybe a couple weirdos do. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, even, even fucking Elon Musk, right, who, who has a car company, lives in the, or spends time in the Los Angeles area. Yeah. Um, has, has a car company, has invented a new type of car that he loves and that many people love. He's sitting in the car going, oh, I fucking hate being in this thing. Right. I need to build a tunnel. Now his actual solution is dumbass dog shit. <laughs> um like he he doesn't understand anything about traffic engineering as has been evidenced by the abject failure of all of his tunnels around the world so far oh yeah uh, the, which, the vegas and it, would, one is hilarious by the way it's
0: you just oh, kind of zoom yeah. through
1: yeah it's awkward yeah yeah no no just just a Like an Uber driver in a Tesla drives you through a short tunnel at like 40 miles an hour or something like that. (laughs) And it's like a bumpy, uncomfortable ride. And it's very slow. And because like any, any traffic engineer could have explained this to you in very basic ways, you know, Um, but uh, you know, even, even this, even like the richest man in the world who owns a car company is like feeling the pain of this structural solution. And unfortunately, like most people, he doesn't know how to fix it because he's an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, the the problem that he's feeling is not going to be solved by him as an individual, like digging a tunnel or building a flying car. It's going to be solved by, uh, you know, us coming together as a society, restructuring our transportation system, which is going to be a very big job. But that is the how we have to do it, because the problem is structural. Um, is this what you wanted to talk about on your like clothing <laughs> podcast? I can talk about whatever you want. No, but I will. What? I will plow off in whatever direction you point me. So you might want to redirect me if you want to talk about something else. Well, no. First <laughs> off,
0: I love hearing people riff, and generally, people riff on the things we're the most passionate about, which is you know how we got onto that topic. So
1: I think. it's Yeah. Great. No, you just got me going on one of my base core beliefs as like a person and thinker. So you know we are off to a roaring start.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny because it, one of the things in this actually does tie to fashion. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine. Couple of years ago, and I was complaining about like fast fashion, and was just like, and it's so fucked up, and 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 there's all this waste that it exists, and we were just riffing on H and M, yeah, and then he called me the out, and this, horrible place in the world, yeah, and he called me out, and this is where. You know, I, I wrestle with some of the conflict of this. And he was like, yeah, he's like, but it's a privilege to be able to say I'm only going to wear organic cotton, blah, blah, blah fair trade, da, da, And he was like, you know, one of the things that fast fashion has really done for some people is it's allowed people of lesser means to look like the people that they admire and aspire to that have more means right like it it, it kind of flattened the landscape in a way and by the way this is not no, in defensive th- well this is not in defense of h&m but this is like yeah if you want you know so generally historically you how you dressed showed how much money you were worth right like so clothes sure. silk all that stuff you're rich you wear it that way and peasants wear peasant clothing and right now if 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 you see you know people walking down the street, you can see a dude wearing a black H and M shirt, and then you can see another person wearing a black Charvet shirt, and it looks pretty damn similar. And do you really feel it does? I actually yeah. I do. And as this is someone who it 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 looks like it. Let me be very clear: it looks like it. The construction is an order of magnitude different. But if yeah. I'm wearing a Navy sport coat and then, you know, and like, I mean, you've worked on film sets and stuff and all sorts of things. You see all the stuff that they pull. There'll be like Navy sport coats, you know, suits, all that. And you can get these suits for a pretty reasonable amount because of how they're able to be mass produced. But sure, the difference I, I, between the high end yeah. one and the lower end one is artisanal craftsmanship, which... It's tough to put a price on. But when you look at it, you're like, this is the the point of entry is much lower to look like the person that you really aspire to be. And so he called me on that and I was like, OK, like there's some truth to that as to as to where people who may never make X amount of money are able to wear these clothes that make them feel the, like the successful person they want to be. I mean, that's why we all wear clothes anyway.
1: I, I think that's far too. Uh, that's far too generous to the fast fashion companies, and <laughs> well, and, and, sure. and I think it's and I, I like it's that's their marketing spiel, right? Your 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 friend maybe worked for H and M or maybe like went to a conference where they said He's here's Swedish. how we're making the world a better place, right? <laughs> um, fair enough. Okay, so you, you made my point for me. Um, I would frame fast fashion as doing something to people, not giving them something. But it's so so it's yes, it is a position of privilege to say I'm only going to buy expensive things that'll last a long time. Yeah. Um, however, the fact that that is the world that we live in where only expensive people can buy things that last a long time mm-hmm. is not a foregone conclusion. It's a world that was created by the fast fashion companies. I mean, you walk into an H H&M. and used to do a joke on stage about this in stand up, where like you watch, walk into H and M and like the clothes are made of like tissue paper. Like you run True. your hand along the rack and they just like disintegrate and fall on the ground, you know? <laughs> and then the, the stores are always chaos. Right. They just yeah. like the, the clothes fall on the ground. And then at the end of the day, they just like throw them in the garbage. <laughs> you know, it's like not like these, like they're selling people rags. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's garbage clothing that they're selling at a very low price. And that's what people wear because that is the only, that is the only clothing that is available to them at that price. That is, that has to overtaken that entire segment of the market. Um, and so why do people have to buy it? A wages are really low. Um, mm-hmm. so people are not able to afford better clothes. That's part of the picture. Um, but B, it's crowded out everything else, right? You know, like if you go to yep. go to a thrift store, right, and go look at like the go look at the cheapo clothes, right? Go look, go look at the sorry, go to the t-shirt section of a thrift store mm-hmm. and look for the vintage clothes that used to just be like free handouts, you Giant know, t-shirts like
0: shirts is what they were. Ju- it was one of the brands they made all the best. All the Nirvana shirts that people are paying $800 for right now are all giant.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like, like go. you know what's back in now is what I used to wear in the late 90s growing up on Long Island, which is like, you know, thrift store, like Little League sports team shirts. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. that kind of thing. And if you go look at the ones and go go find one that's from like 1991 or 1985, it'll say made in the USA mm-hmm. and you'll touch it and you'll be like, this. hey, this actually feels kind of nice, right? It's got a nice hand feel. It feels a little beefy. You know, it's got a nice construction to it. Um, and go look at the kind of shirts that they're handed out for little league teams now, and look at what the difference is. You know, yeah. um, like the the quality has gotten worse now. I now look, I I I was gonna argue on, can't you tell the difference? Because I feel I can tell the difference if you know if someone is only wearing H and M, right? I'm like, I I feel like I could maybe tell the difference, but you know what? Maybe I can't because I did have a weird experience. Um, I'm making it, here's my plug. I'm making a new show for, um, uh, Netflix called the G word. It comes out in late May. Yeah. The, the official date is not set yet. It's not public, but I can tell you that's what I've heard. Right. Right. Um, and I wear suits on that show. Um, and, uh, I I was trying to sort of upgrade my, my look and, you know, I want to look a little more elegant, a little more mature than I have on past shows. And I want, and I really care about menswear and, and men's clothing and, um, And I, I, you know, can, I feel that I can tell the difference and I have a refined sense of taste, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, one of the suits that our stylist brought, you know, we don't have a big budget on this show, um, because of, uh, that's how streaming is now. That's a different topic. If you want to talk about that, but, (laughs) um, everything's, everything's on a budget. So, uh, my stylist brings me a Zara suit, right. And I'm like, I don't want to wear a Zara suit. Like, come on. On, on Adam uh, Ruins, everything go. by the end, we were getting bespoke Antichrist. suits made from a really great place downtown LA at an affordable rate, right? Because it was, it was like we were we we were getting like ten at once, but they were like all tailored and nice, and and da da da. And I still have in my closet, and I'm like, I don't uh-huh. want. Now I'm on Netflix. I don't want to wear a Zara suit, but everyone's like, everyone's like, Adam, you know, we're, this this other one, we're gonna spend money on this look, <laughs> but this one, we think this looks good. All my producers said, you know what, it looks really good. I was looking in the mirror, going, "Okay, I guess it's it's fine for TV. It does fit nice. We'll get it tailored." Da da da. So I'm recording. Uh, mm-hmm. there, this is uh, um, I'll, I'll I'll say this early because the, the uh, this trailer has not yet come out, but it, it will not be a spoiler once the trailers come out. Um, I do a interview with Barack Obama on the show, and I walk into the room with Barack Obama wearing the wearing the Zara suit, and he goes, "That's a nice Flags. suit." Hey that's a really nice suit. And I was like, God damn it. I was like, it's Zara Barack. And he's like, it looks good. (laughs) So, so I, I know what you mean where it's like, you know, the thing looks nice right now, even though it's, even though it's a $50 suit off the rack that we got tailored in a half a day, you know, but on the other hand, is that suit going to last for a moment? You know, if I wear that, Like, uh, it's not still in my closet I'm not wearing anywhere else Because, you know, it'll get destroyed In in an instant Um, And, you know, I was lucky enough to have a stylist Who knows how to get it tailored just right You know, and and Mm -hmm. in order to make up for its uh, problems So, um, but, you know Just to come back to the original point um, Of, like, structure versus individual Like, the Yes, it is a position of privilege to be able to say I can buy the better thing But that doesn't mean that that's a That we should accept the reality of these like extremely low quality, extremely harmful goods um, being foisted on people. And we certainly shouldn't try to apologize for them and say, oh, isn't it so nice that people get to wear like garbage that is like pretending, you know, if you if you're from far away and you squint, looks like it could not be garbage, right? I think we should try to build a world in which everybody should have access to clothing Touché. that is made well, made ethically and makes them look good and that lasts a long time and that has dignity. You know, th- I think that's a really important thing with with clothes, right? Like you put you put on something you want to feel like you have some dignity. You don't want to feel like you're faking it with a piece of tissue paper that is about to fall apart and you're, you know, praying is going to hang together when you're, you know, dancing at your own wedding, right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's my that's
0: my rant wow i mean because i think one i I do appreciate that that perspective and i think that that's something that is basically you know in my mind i'm like let me just try to make better or look at the the ever the optimist try to see how isn't this nice or what's the silver lining here and versus you're saying like no 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 what we need to not necessarily blow up the whole thing but re rethink and rebuild the entire foundation of what it's built upon um yeah i mean and and the
1: first And the first step of that is having a clear eyed view of what the problem is. Right. And not and not trying to apologize for it, you know, Um, and, and be really clear about it. Take any issue. You know, when people talk about I argue so much with people about like the NCAA, right, with athletes that they don't pay the athletes, it's a crime it's a crime they they, starting to do that now i mean
0: i i could be informed but now
1: they have uh they have finally loosened because of some some court cases that were won nice uh they have loosened the regulations around athletes receiving sponsorships Mm. and basically receiving any that's like the first crack in now they can maybe profit a little bit from the fact that their images and uh, professional achievements are being used to make literal billions of dollars for other people. Wow, they can break off a little piece finally. <laughs> you know? Um so, so we're we're moving in the right direction finally, right? But I have so many arguments with people where I say this is this is a crime that they're that they're not being paid. And I say this as someone on television, right? I'm on television and I know there's advertisements running against my face. I should be paid. I'm a member of two unions, you know, this is like a pretty fundamental principle. When I mm-hmm. watch a college basketball game I'm looking at something where literally everybody else is being paid. The, the sportscasters are being paid. The coaches are being paid. Everyone on the sidelines is being paid. The people hawking hot dogs in the stands are being paid. The only people not being paid are the athletes. And this is some of the biggest television on, you know, uh, on TV. Oh, yeah. March so, Madness it's, it's, is, I mean, they, they call it March huge. Madness. Yeah, yeah. Incredibly high ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the only people, the only reason people are watching is because of the athletes. Mm-hmm. And the athletes are not being paid. And people are constantly, oh well, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I mean, they're, oh well, they get free tuition. Oh wow, they get free tuition. <laughs> they get free tuition to a state school to like to like whatever state. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, to Florida, uh-huh. They get free tuition to Florida State. How much does it cost to go to Florida State? I don't know how much, but it's like low five figures, right? Max. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, state, so state
0: schools historically are less expensive. Yeah. yeah and state I'm schools
1: true. are great. I'm not. I'm not knocking state schools, right? But they're they're taxpayer subsidized. That's why they're cheap. Because we're all paying for them, right? So this person is getting a free education to a taxpayer-subsidized school where the tuition is probably, what, 15 grand, something like that? So they're Mm -hmm. making... They're making less than minimum wage, right? They're making they're making like oh wow, they're making fifteen thousand dollars a year in free education, or however much the education costs, right? Yeah. Even if even if they're making, what's the most expensive school in the country cost? Eighty thousand dollars a year. I'm pulling
0: it off the top of my head, but let's yeah, just say, I don't know Harvard, right? Stanford, or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So say you're on a nationally televised game. Say you're going to is Duke an expensive school? I don't. I actually don't. Yes. Duke uh, okay. Is. So. So Duke's an expensive school. Let's just say that Duke costs eighty thousand dollars a year. I have no idea how much it costs. Okay, you're saying that a professional basketball player playing and I'm and they are fucking professionals. They're mm-hmm. professionals. They're courted,
0: right? It's they have one to, and done they, too. Tec- technically, many of them will jump to the NBA a year after, only one year after they're they're But a, lot of, there. Oh, of a lot of them don't. Oh, of course. I mean, the, you know? the barrier of entry yeah. is still high.
1: The the, the 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 level of skill that they have is so high they can only be called professionals, and that's the only reason they're at this school, right? So um, you're telling me that someone playing in that for the for the biggest team uh, that is, you know, is the biggest rating straw that has is having billions of dollars in, you know, ads sold against them. They're going to make eighty thousand dollars a year. I think that's fucked up. Right. I don't. That's not enough money. Um, So here's my point. We you can still watch the goddamn game. Right. I don't Mm -hmm. give a shit if you watch it or not. Just like have a clear eyed view of it say whether or not it's good or bad, right? Because that's the first mm. step. We don't need to make apologies for it. Oh, no, no, it's really okay, though. No, it's really fine. It's really okay. No, just say it's fucked up. And then Forgetting step the two experience. is we, we can work towards fixing it, right? Just be just be straight up about it. Um, that's, that's a big part of what I, uh, you know, um, uh, my philosophy. And then what I am trying to move towards more and more in my work is saying, okay, what can we do about it? Right. Because um, just to, again, plug my new show a little bit more, um, it's called The G Word. It's about the federal government. It's about what the federal government does that's good and bad. All the hidden things that it does, how it affects your life in ways you don't understand. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, on my past work and Adam Ruins Everything, I spent a lot of work trying to reveal facts to people. Right. Saying, hey, there are things that you're not being told. There's history you were not taught. Let's talk about it and spreading that out to a wide audience. It was so much fun to do that on television. We're now living in a world where we kind of know- It's streaming again,
0: too, by the way, which I think is awesome. Yes,
1: the show's streaming on HBO Max. You can watch every episode of it, which I'm really proud of. fantastic Uh, show. Thank you so much for saying so. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, so so at the time, when I started making the show, God, close to like seven years ago now, um, it felt very revolutionary to just say these things on TV. Like, oh my God, we're going to tell these stories. Um, Now- Everyone is constantly sharing. The Adam is everything type information. Go on Twitter and you'll see like a million threads. Here's the truth about this or that. And it'll, they'll all have 10,000 retweets, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I'm trying to move towards now is now that we know this shit, what do we do about it, right? What action can we take? And that is a uh, big part of uh, the G word um, moving forward is talking about what can we actually do to fix these problems. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good show. It's gonna come out in May. Barack Obama is briefly in it. If that's if that's appealing to people, uh, mostly it's me. So hopefully that appeals to people even more. And uh, it's a funny show where you you'll you'll learn a lot of crazy shit.
0: And you're in some suits.
1: And I'm in some suits. I'm in some suits. I'm in a Zara suit. I'm also in. Uh, I'm also in a bunch of really cool uh like literally my my stylist just went downtown and like went to a no-name like suit seller and like found a beautiful burgundy suit that um you know i would not buy off the rack myself to wear to a wedding but i tried on i'm like oh my god this is great i don't know where the hell this thing came from but let's you know let's uh raise the cuffs and it's gonna look beautiful i'm in a little bit of suit supply on the show i think um uh, but yeah, what, what can I tell you about clothes? Let's talk about fashion.
0: Well, I was going to say, I, I'm curious, you know, so you're an East coast guy. You come mm-hmm. from a family of people that are, you know, professional teachers, a lot of academic background and, you know, historically the, the, academic Ivy league sort of like style, I feel like has, has been, it popped really hard in, you know, the 2010s Yes, and has it feels like now is really starting to come back again, especially with... You think it is? Oh, absolutely. Especially mm. with people like... So, you know, here's a very brief, quick history thing. One of the people that really championed the entire... I mean, many people were, but I think one of the sort of like New York icons that was really pushing this sort of new wave prep stuff was this designer named Michael Bastian. Michael Bastian used to work for Ralph Lauren Home. Um, Then he was uh, the like creative director, probably someone's going to correct me, of Bergdorf Goodman and got a incredible deal to make his own clothes. It initially was just he was trying to reinvent like chinos. Makes Michael bastion which, you know, like Tim Blanks who is style.com um was referring to Michael as like the savior of menswear. And really what he did mm. is he kind of repopularized um and was kind of like on the forefront of the wave of like Ivy style coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, you also had people like Michael Williams who was running? Who was writing this blog called a Continuous Lean? I everyone know started blog, yeah. getting, yeah. Everyone started getting into like the Preppy Handbook. Anyway, that's like your bread and butter. Like that's like your <laughs> your fam. Like so, I'm curious seeing that sort of like start to you know the resurgence of that again. Have you been? You know, did you grow up in any of this stuff? Like, were you wearing like chinos and blue oxfords and navy? Oh God, no,
1: no, no, no not at all. I I I grew up in a very like. Fashion, unconscious household, you know? Um, Okay. My dad dad was a a university professor, recently retired. Um, My mom uh, also has a PhD. She ran a small uh, uh, children's science museum on Long Island where I grew up. Um, And, you know, my dad, like, wore what I would describe as, you know, more just like gen... Genuinely, what professors wear? <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like a lot of a lot of like houndstooth jackets Hell with yeah. with some <laughs> sort of random pair of slacks. Everything very like big and big and shapeless. Um, you know, a uh, lot of a lot of novelty ties. He he, you know, a sort of like gentleman's novelty tie. Like he, when the Jerry Garcia tie collection came out, he started buying a lot of those. That was was like your dad a lead. deadhead? No, no, he just really liked these ties. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but they were like. I don't know what it was about these ties. He's like, oh, those Jerry Garcia ties. I love them all. We started getting him those a lot, like probably in the the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, And, uh, you know, and I remember seeing his coworkers, you know, this is at the State University of of New York, Stony Brook, um, and they all sort of dressed that way. It was like, you know, not quite a uniform. There wasn't like a lot of style to it. It was just like, hey, this is, you know, a sort of rumpled, uh, you know, version of our, uh, work attire, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I didn't, um, y- you know, I grew up on Long Island, but my my dad grew up in Florida. My mom grew up in Michigan. So I'm not like, um, I'm, I'm East Coast because I was raised there, not because I have like family there. Um, mm. uh, and I do appreciate you think of me as an East Coaster because I want people, I've lived in LA for too long now, but I still want people, when I walk down the street, I want people to go, oh, here comes a New Yorker. Look at that motherfucker. <laughs> in my heart. Uh, and then, uh, however, however, I have to say, I, I think I failed at this because there, last time I went to New York, pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. I was flying there for, for some sort of press thing I had to do. And I landed, I went to the hotel, I got to the front desk, and the front desk guy goes, oh, you you just fly in from LA? And I was Uh-oh. like, how could you tell? And he was like, I can tell. And I was no. like, Fuck. wait, what, I, He what could it, tell. What were he you could wearing? tell? I don't remember. It was, it was just my, it was just my flying clothes. You know, it was like. uh,
0: Let's see. What are your flying clothes?
1: Okay. Um, (laughs) well, we can get into it if you want. Um, I, uh, bought a couple years ago. I bought a bunch of outlier stuff, you know, outlier.
0: Oh yeah. I know outlier. Of course. Willie, she's been on, I mean, she's their, uh, designer and creative director. She's been on the show a few times.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got a bunch of their stuff and I tend to wear that while traveling
0: because it's like just so wicking. <laughs> That's very New York by the way. That is very, New York. is very New York. Yeah.
1: Now, I bought a whole bunch of it and then I have recently in my daily life sort of moved away from it. Um because I part of it was I was wearing it like every single day during the pandemic at home, you know, mm-hmm. and I got I got like very sick of it, you know. Um mm-hmm. but I still do enjoy the, you know, the the combination of something that you can sort of beat to hell either on a hike or in an uncomfortable travel scenario and it still looks like okay and it mm-hmm. doesn't like get wet <laughs> with your yeah. own body juices is like important. <laughs> um but I started to sort of like move back to cotton a little bit in terms of like wh- you know just my daily my daily wearing. Um but yeah no I didn't grow up with that with that sort of uh with that sort of preppy style. However, when I started like around the time that I created Adam Ruins everything, I was, you know, reading a lot of those blogs Right. I read Jesse Thorne's blog, put this on for a long time. Yeah. Um, That sort of thing,
0: Jesse.
1: Yeah. And ingested a lot of that sort of style. Right. Mm -hmm. And what we ended up creating as the look for Adam ruins everything was a sort of heightened version of that style. Because I was like, okay, I'm looking at these things. I'm learning the difference between different men's shoes. I'm learning the differences between how suits are cut. Right. I'm I'm developing those opinions. Um, But on the show, we pushed that into a. Like far too nerdy direction, right? Like, like the character of Adam, the character of Adam Conover on that show is like self-consciously too. He's like dressed too well. He's like it's it's fussy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's tie clip and pocket square and lapel pin. Well, because and- Mad Men time, right?
0: Because I feel like that if, at least, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like when that show was really popping, Mad yeah. Men was either. It was like the peak of Mad Men, or towards the end of Mad Men. But like Tom Brown, because yeah, I remember seeing like these like best dressed things in GQ, and it was like mm-hmm. Tom Brown stuff, Adam Conover, you know, all these other you know folks that were wearing these. Yeah, that was like yeah tie clip, um, yeah pocket square. I'm, I'm mo-
1: astonished if I appeared in a GQ best dress, but I I'm you know what I'll take it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you definitely were. You were in there for sure. Ah, um, I love it. Yeah, especially because you know you would you would wear things that are very like level 99 for people, which are uh <laughs> pattern shirt, pattern tie, and pattern suit.
1: Yes. And I well, and I would do that specifically because, you know, I was being my stylist, wonderful woman named Alicia Silverstein, um, mm-hmm. really, really incredible. And I've loved working with her. But we were doing character wardrobe. Like the the point was to look different from every other person in the scene. And to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm Adam Conover is a on Adam ruins everything. Is a social misfit and outcast who who like cannot interface with other people because he knows too much and he can't resist like uh you know dropping it onto them um because and part of that's because he's a TV host all the time like I'm self consciously hosting a TV show at all moments on that show right. um and so the point was to have it be too much um and you know I don't. Dressed that way in life. I very rarely ever dressed that way in life, except when I was doing an Adam Ruins Everything related event. Um, and I've moved a little bit away from like sort of tailored menswear in my on stage when I'm doing stand up and things like that. Um, well, welcome
0: to the show. I think the whole world is slowly moved away from tailored menswear. But yeah. I think it's and this is the thing that, you know, I'm very interested by feels like like what you were saying, you know, you're wearing whatever during the pandemic. For Some people sweats for you. You're wearing dope as hell outlier. <laughs> there there is a some sort of like you know uh pivot into which like even me cuz i was like okay i, I am going to start over like i'm going to go i'm going to just throw out my wardrobe you know my body's changed i'm going to go hit the gym i'm going to get you know i'm going to get some some denim like oxford shirts and blue sport coats like i'm going to start at like level 1 and just get like the best stuff that i could get and it's interesting to see that kind of pop with a lot of people now into which People are now wearing sport coats, but they're also wearing very um, sort of unstuffy type sport coats, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, very soft shoulder stuff like Patrick Johnson, you know, no lining, uh, mm-hmm. very little canvas in the chest. That's more of like a, a shirt or like a shirt jacket. You look at brands mm-hmm. like Drake's, people are buying shirt jackets they're yeah, like, or, or over shirts, you know, I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but like that's their thing. And then maybe you'll wear a tie with it, you know, but it's like mm-hmm. much more um quiet but very uh yeah sort of stuff what people are like pivoting towards now it's it's la
1: style it's interesting i i i've always sort of like in terms of these style movements have always have trouble locating myself within them you know because i i both am part of them and respond to them you know and i and i certainly was you know like in when the you know american workwear thing was happening i i have mm-hmm. i have a whole bunch of clothes still from that you know i have a i have a pointer brand short coat that i love um that i bought like you know, in 2012 or something like that. And now it's beautifully broken in. And for some reason, that company like stopped selling anything with Pointer Brand on it. You know what I'm talking about? I don't about. think Pointer exists. Yeah, Pointer Brand. I mean, that's,
0: that's way out well, of left field. I well, don't know well, if Pointer Brand still exists.
1: It, well, here's what happened. The manufacturer, and, and I've not seen any explanation for why this is. You know, when I bought it, it w- they were a workwear manufacturer, like they sold clothes yep. to like farmers. And then they mm-hmm. started popping on blogs and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Heritage workwear. They were like, this is a heritage workwear brand. You can still buy the heritage workwear shit. And they were selling like giant jeans and, you know, and also this chore coat, right? And which I saw on probably Jesse Thorne's blog or something like that, bought mm-hmm. myself a chore coat, beautiful chore coat. Then the the owner of the company figures out, "Oh my god, we're hot. We're fashionable. American workwear, heritage." Cash we're a heritage brand, right? And now when you go to their website, LC King Manufacturing, it's all that kind of stuff, right? They've completely, re- it used to literally look like a Geocities website, you know? Yeah. Um, and now it's like, you can go probably go in like, you know, archive.org and check it out. Um, and now they sell a whole lot of, you know, it's like, um, uh, y- y- <laughs> you know, a lot of their stuff could be sold at J.Crew or something like that, right? It's like, it's it, it. but here's the weird thing. Somewhere in there, they retired the Mark Pointer brand. Yeah. They, And, and I have never found an explanation for why, because it was, because what became famous on, you know, probably GQ's website and stuff like that was the Pointer brand, um, with the little dog and everything. And you can still get a chore coat from them, but it doesn't have the little dog on it anymore. It's now LC King. And I'm not sure what happened. I wonder if there was some sort of dispute or something. Um, maybe there was a business partner they wanted to force out or something like that, you know, some sort of, some sort of thing. Um, that's a little bit weird. Like, what if like, you know, I also bought a pair of like duck boots, L.L. Bean duck boots or sorry. Yeah. L.L. L. L. Bean, yeah, L. L. Bean duck boots. Yeah, you're right. In like 2011. And I was wearing them around New York. I feel very stupid now thinking back on that. It wasn't even rainy. I was wearing them around because I had seen them on the Internet. No, you're um, in. You're in. I love it. And and uh, but what if, you know, so those had those had a moment, right? Mm-hmm. What if mm-hmm. LLB stopped calling them duck boots like suddenly and they were like, now they're the rubber weather boot? And you're like, why did you do that? Um anyway. Uh so so what I'm saying is I respond to these trends, right? Mm-hmm. And so the whole workwear thing, then you know, the the menswear Ivy style stuff, right? Um, but at the same time, like I I I I notice the degree to which I am but a boat cast upon this tide, <laughs> <laughs> right? uh just just at the whim of what's happening. Um but at the same time I don't like I don't follow it that closely and I do find myself getting like skeptical of it very quickly. You know what I mean? Well um, I mean I, I like, think I, that's the like, thing. like Ivy style I'm now like,
0: ugh. <laughs> I, well, is is it because it's Ivy and Ivy is almost like a pejorative term now, or I mean, because otherwise people would also refer to it as just classic menswear, which is like, yeah, that you
1: know. that's the weird that's the weird part about it. I mean, I now have a weirdness about uh the Ivy thing and the stuff, uh, the halo surrounding it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like and the kind of you know uh the not even just strictly Ivy, but like the whole classic menswear thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Of here are the rules and here's, you know, the good tailors that, you know, the and how to this is the British cut of the suit, and this is the Italian <laughs> cut of the suit. Right. And all that, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was very fun to learn all that stuff. It's fun to learn all the rules, right? But at the same time, what are we doing when we do that? We're putting on the trappings of wealth. Like that's that's mm-hmm. fundamentally what it is about culturally. You were saying earlier that you know uh that how much money you have determines how what you can wear and so we're trying to put on the clothes of wealth like when i like if i if i have some opinion about british tailoring versus italian tailoring i grew up on long island you know i'm the i'm the kid <laughs> of like you know again my dad was a professor at a state school right mm-hmm. um his dad wasn't was an agricultural professor was a, a you know a an ag scientist in south florida you know what i mean like this is I'm talking about what rich people halfway across the world are doing, you know? That's just, and that's just one tiny part of clothes culture. Why am I focusing on that one tiny little part? Why am I acting like that is the primary, you know, font of men's clothing worldwide? It's because those are the rich white people. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I'm trying to emulate them on some level and I eventually developed like a little bit of discomfort about that. I still find that language of clothes really interesting. I like knowing about it. I like using it. I still have opinions about it. You Mm -hmm. know, I'm still like, oh, blazer over a t-shirt. Fuck you. Don't do that. Like (laughs) have some respect, you know, like I still have that. And, and, you know, that's, that's even like a, that's a rule I ingested from some blog years ago, you know, that, um, I, uh, you know, I, I, my, my friends still call me and ask me what shoes they should wear with their suits on their weddings because they know I have strong opinions and I Mm -hmm. will, and I will rant at them about it. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, what, this is not, th- these rules just come from me trying to kind to ape that wealth, you know? Um, and I reached a point at which, you know, I remember seeing some other friends on Instagram who, you know, just like the kind of friends who wear like boat shoes and, uh, <laughs> you know, like the boat shoe sure. and like the IV sort of thing. And, I, and I, I remember being in New York with them in my 20s and, and seeing them wear that style and go, oh yeah, it's Ivy style. It's kind of funny. It's kind of ironic, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we got a little older and those friends started actually sh- posting pictures of themselves on yachts. And I was like, oh. oh, hold on a second. They're just either actually rich or pretending that they are. That's what it was about the whole time. You know what I mean? And you know what? It's not cool to be rich. Like that I think that is my resistance. Like if fundamentally having money doesn't make you cool. It doesn't make you funny, it doesn't make you interesting, it just makes you rich. And right. okay. I started feeling that like dressing in order to appear rich isn't cool. It's not like it doesn't make me feel good when I see other people dressed in like a rich way. I'm like, yeah, you suck. <laughs> like that that's a that's a deep thing that I that I believe because I was also brought up in the last vestiges of like New York City, like punk, like that kind of, si- you know, right. like like growing up on Long Island, um, you know, I was in a, a I'm not going to call it a punk
0: band, but I was in a shitty garage rock band. You I know, feel like my- everyone that grows up on Long Island somehow has a cross, you know, section of punk music in their life.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, there was a, there was a great like shitty DIY punk scene where we would all yeah. go you know, all of our different bands would go play outdoors at the beach, <laughs> you know, or at the local rec center or whatever. Um, and, you know, then I moved to, you know, moved to New York. Um, and the, uh, you know, the, that that grittiness is a really important part of what I think is cool and interesting. And, you know, uh, again, tailored menswear is beautiful, you know? And um, those, and, and I love dressing that way sometimes, but like the idea that, That is some sort of cultural value to aspire to. I started to have more discomfort with because like it's um, I'll I'll come back to it. It's not cool to be rich. It's not cool. You know, it's Mm. it's nice. (laughs) Right. But it's not it's not cool. Um, So there's certain parts of like, you know, menswear culture that I've that I've always
0: resisted. Like I like watches. You know, I do. Enjoy I know, you're, you're a Seiko boy. Yeah. You got a Seiko mm-hmm. Alpinist. Yeah.
1: I have a Seiko Alpinist, which was given to me as a gift by Alicia, my stylist. And I and it's a beautiful watch. It's mm-hmm. so gorgeous. It's uh, is it the only mechanical watch that I own automatic? Um, I'm trying to think. I think it might be currently. Um, uh, but it's also affordable. Right. It's it's a watch yeah. that, like, most people can buy um, and. I still feel that like a watch that costs $10,000 is for losers. Like I do feel that on a deep level. And I know some of your audience is going to like hit pause right now because this is like the opposite, right? But like There's definitely some people who are going to be like, mm, well, yeah. But, "Yeah. But 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 that is a value that I was raised with, right? that sure. that That's is okay. that yeah. is something that I that I deeply believe. Now I now I do love watches. Um I've got also a Seiko like very early, um, uh, very, like their very first model of quartz watch, which I think is really cool. But it's like stainless steel; it's like a stainless steel quartz watch, mm-hmm. um, which I really love. Um, you also got G
0: Shock. I have a G Shock
1: that I wear. Constantly. I was wearing an F ninety one W for a really long time, but they kept breaking in exactly the same way over and <laughs> over again. Like the 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 top of the rosin case would just like snap, and it was impossible to repair. And I was like, let me get let me let me get like the original G Shock, like the smallest. Most yep. like least flashy G Shock, and I love that watch, it feels awesome. I love that it's indestructible. Um, and uh, you know, like I do look at sometimes like a very expensive watch and go, Oh man, that's very beautiful,
0: you know. But it well, it's very LA and New York to have, and I say this as someone who is a huge watch fan. I'm very grateful that some of the watches I purchased over the years have actually kept this podcast going. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's been it's helped me with it, and it's Weird Wait, how have I, the
1: watches kept the podcast going? How do you mean?
0: Oh, I mean, I, so, you know, I would buy watches. I've been collecting watches through some way, shape, or form for like, I don't know, 10, 12 years. And some of the watches that I bought, I bought for, you know, a couple thousand dollars or something like that. And all of a sudden they were worth 15. Mm-hmm. or, And I was like, oh my God, like, yeah, like this is crazy. Like, I'm going to sell this. And now I have money to continue making this show. Cause I mean, obviously we weren't really making any money for, few years um yeah so and it, it kind of it kept things amazing. going it, it to be honest I, one of the watches helped pay the down payment on our home you know amazing and it, which is very different when you live in the midwest so you're not it's not a huge down payment <laughs> but um <laughs> it, it, but i definitely wrestle with that too because i think there's two things that you're speaking to one how you look is you're communicating to everyone about yes. like how much you're worth Right, yes. In LA, it's your car. A buddy of mine told me that he always gets his car washed before he he goes to a, a like a car valet because he doesn't want to look like a slime ball, like he doesn't want to look bad <laughs> like that. And you know, I think in New York, a lot of people it's their watch. But the weird thing that's happened right now is watches in general have become this new tax haven. It's almost like a freeport, mm-hmm. right? Which is mm-hmm. um, you could talk all day about freeports, and so people are buying, um, you know, like Patek Philippe's or even like a brand new sports model Rolex, they can get it from their dealer. And that's if like right now, if say you have $15,000 in your pocket and you're like, I want to go buy a Rolex Daytona. All right. You and Tom Holland, you're going to, you know, you're going to go get a Rolex Daytona and you walk into the store and you say, Hey, here's the money. Give me the watch. They say, sorry, we don't have it. You know what? They probably do have it. But the way that all these authorized dealers work is they're really only going to sell to the people that have like previous client history. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the second you walk out the door, the market and so many more people are so rich right now, people would pay $50,000 for that watch. So you could walk in, buy the Rolex Daytona if you can get it, walk out of the store and someone will say, I'll give you 45 for that right now cash. And Mm -hmm. also because of that, people are now stealing watches more than ever. There was a dude who got shot because wow. of his Richard Mille the other day in, in New York. And so watches are like super awkward right now for people. And I always feel weird when I tell people that I collect watches because I'm like, well, no, but I don't have all this money. Or no, but I, yeah, I might've owned one of those a long time ago, but like now it's almost blasé or taboo to have a watch that could be worth that much that I'm now uncomfortable owning it. And like the joy of collecting the baseball cards and all that stuff of it, it's like washed away by the, in some cases, yep. obscene value that they're now worth.
1: Yeah, and, and so this is very complex. And by the way, uh, l- l- take everything I say from here on as qualifying my comment that ten thousand dollar watches are for losers, right? Because, <laughs> because I mean, I mean that in a specific way, right? It's okay, um, yeah, yeah. W- which is what 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 I mean is there are a lot of people who want to wear a $10,000 watch specifically because it communicates they have $10,000, right? Correct. And for me, as someone who enjoys style, enjoys looking at other people's style and who sees uh, what people wear as something that they're communicating about themselves, either intentionally or unintentionally, right? Mm -hmm. The intentional move to say with your clothing, I have $10,000, that's for losers. Like that sucks. Like I I see you do that and I'm like, fuck you, you suck. Like that's how I feel (laughs) when I see that person, right? When I see a person flash a watch that way. Right. And now that's my values. I'm not saying everybody has that value. That's literally my reaction. That's part of why I wear a G-Shock, right? Why I wear a hundred dollar G-Shock and why, uh, you know, I'm not the guy who, who gets my Tesla washed right before I take it to the car valet. I'm the guy (laughs) who takes the bus (laughs) because, because that's a different communication I want to make about myself. And by the way, you can say that that's a totally false douchebag move because I have enough money where I could just take a, I could take an Alto everywhere. Right. Because I work in TV. Um, I prefer not to. I like taking the bus. I like saving money, you know, um, and that's just, you know, who who I am, um, uh, et cetera. But I'll also, I enjoy communicating that about myself, you know. Um, uh, however, uh, let me say, you're speaking to you as a collector, uh, collecting is great. You know, I collect retro video games. Um, I have recently this year started collecting them. Um, similar market in that it is, uh, you end up spending stuff, you end up spending crazy prices for things. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have not spent thousands of dollars on anything yet, but I've spent hundreds. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, uh, went to a local, you know, I, am at the point now where my local retro video game store emails me when they get things because they know I'm a whale. Right. And I show up and I'm like, yeah, I do want to get that copy of Harvest Moon for the Super Nintendo. Let me show up and get it. And then while I'm there, the, the owner starts bringing out other things from behind the counter and like putting them in front of me and going like, yeah, this complete, complete in box copy of Secret of Mana, uh, the posters inside. And, oh. and she, and she's like, I'm like, okay, I do want to, I want to open the box and see the poster. And then I open the box and see the poster and I'm like, ah, that, that poster's really nice. Okay. All right. Add it. And she's like, all right, what, what do you think about this? You know what I mean? She's like, she's literally, I felt them doing that. I'm like, okay, I'm the whale collector, you know? And part <laughs> of the reason I'm doing it is I'm there with, I'm there with a friend. He's like, yeah, I mean, You could sell that for double in a couple years. I'm like, yeah, I know I could. And also I just want it. So let me get it. You know, like, and and, and that's because I love video games. I've been playing them ever since I was a kid. It has emotional power for me. I understand Mm -hmm. the market well enough to know what's rare and isn't rare. You know, it's really fun. And I have the disposable money to do that. And so like, you know, watch appreciator. You're like, I understand the differences between the watches, you know, and I enjoy doing that. And like, I actually do enjoy thinking about the craftsmanship of the little gears, (laughs) right? Like that actually brings me pleasure. It really, really does bring me pleasure. I believe that and I understand that, right? Um, And at the same time, uh, so I can can honor that experience, right? At the same time, the same thing is happening in video games and in watches and in a lot of other things around the world, which is the financialization of it. And you're Mm -hmm. right, it's specifically a tax haven or a money haven. You said a second ago, the only thing I'm gonna take exception with is you said there's a lot more rich people right now. Not true. There's less people who are rich, but they're a lot richer than they used to be. That's what's yeah. going on. And well, they it, so they have a lot more disposable income that they're like, hold on a second. I want to buy some expensive shit where I think the value is going to go up. Um and yes. so what you're seeing in video games, for instance, is there are these grading companies that will grade specific video games, right? You you like give them, you you send them your video game and they'll say, This is a 9.0, and the game will go from being "Quote unquote," worth a couple hundred bucks to tens of thousands. It'll be sold at an auction, right? And this is like the, the extremely high level of this is uh, it's a grift, you know. It's a way of people who have a lot of money saying, "How do I buy an asset and like flip it as much as, to be as valuable as it possibly can be?" And if you're the kind of collector who's like like me, I'm like, I like buying the game and playing
0: it. I want to I plug- say you said you opened the Secret of Mana to see the poster. Yeah. I'm like, what is he doing? Well, it was unsealed. <laughs> it was already unsealed. But like, okay. I literally,
1: you know, a lot of people emulate video games. I get a kick uh-huh. out of buying the original silicone and plugging it into a uh, you know, into an into my childhood NES and playing it on a CRT TV. Like and just having that experience. That's what I like. And you know, the guys who are the guys and gals, but let's be honest, mostly guys, who are like you know, m- making you know, selling a copy of Super Mario Brothers three for for sixty thousand dollars, like they're they're fucking with that. They're they're inflating the market. They're making it harder for people to do that, and that sucks. And that's a part of the market. I can say this is bullshit. You know, at the same time as mm-hmm. I enjoy collecting, and of course someone someone else could look at me and say, Adam, you could emulate all these games for fifty dollars, yep. and you Reservate don't need to buy by. these there things, you and you're just doing that because you have extra money. And I'd say, yeah, that's true but I do gain a lot of value out of it, you know, emotionally and it, and it's a pretty cheap hobby to have. Um, but so there's all these things swirling around. you're too, right? Yes, I am a Twitch streamer. I am a Twitch yeah. streamer. Well, I, I stream, i I, sorry, I'm not a, I'm not a Twitch streamer, I don't make a living off of it, but I stream occasionally just because it's more fun to play video games with others than alone.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you were playing Elden Ring the other day, right? Which I've, is already been... dividing half the United States. <laughs> into, <laughs> into players and non-players. Yeah, I'm having a great time with Elden Ring. It's great
1: um, yeah. Although I don't have a physical copy of it, which bums me out a little bit because I'm playing on PC, but um, because I do enjoy physical.
0: That's, that's incredible. So, well then, to jump back to some of the menswear stuff. Let's do it. I am, I am kind of curious because one of the things that we we kind of talked about was almost this like theme of, you have things that you really like, but you're also trying to be conscious of what that communicates to someone non-verbally. Like, Mm -hmm. I wrestle with liking clothes and liking watches and like all these things that, in most of the outside world kind of views them as somewhat snobby or highbrow or, um, mm-hmm. you know, like rich. You know, like when yeah. I had told someone that I had a bespoke suit, you know, I, the only times I ever had bespoke suits made was when I worked in the industry and I actually got them as payment, which is a whole other, yeah. you know, can of worms. And that's been something that like I really wrestle with all the time, especially as someone who literally makes a living by people paying to listen to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, cause I'm like, well, I I try to be quiet about some of the things I might own because, you know, one of my close friends, he's a small business owner and he's like, yeah, people that like support you always want you to do well, but never better than them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah. And I do kind of, you know, I am curious because you have, you you know, to so many people you represent, um, you know, like pro union and just Mm -hmm. like a much better collective society, but you're also within an industry that you know, yeah, like people are getting paid a lot. And, you know, the streaming boom is is bigger and better than ever and wh- whatever, some some yeah. sort of thing. So I'm curious how you find ways to continue enjoying that and not get destroyed by some of the ideals that are perpetuated around it.
1: Well, that's, oh man, that's a really great question, a really complex one. And I'm, I'm really Sorry. glad you asked. No, 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 not at all. No, because it it, it it comes very naturally from what we were just talking about. And there's a lot going on here. First of all, uh, let me just say, you mentioned the streaming boom, and it's bigger than ever. Uh, the people who are not feeling the boom right now are the workers who are making the content. Um, Correct. So, it, and this is, I, I'll say, I'm, I'm a member of the board of directors of the Writers Guild West. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm now a member of the, the leadership of this union. Um, and part of the reason I, I wanted to uh, uh, take on that role is because I'm really frustrated by how uh, wages are dropping across uh the entertainment industry um like writers are making less actors are making less crews um if you i don't know if you followed at all IATSE, our crew union yeah, oh, um, yeah. had a huge uh
0: you know i was local 829 for a while oh cool um, in, in new york i used to i was a stylist for a bunch of actors.
1: oh amazing but, yeah. uh well uh, uh that, unrelated that's awesome no i mean that is yeah. that's absolutely related you know these like you know crews are being worked like literally to death uh, now, um, the the Helena Hutchins case, who was, um, you know, she was she was killed on the set of the Alec Baldwin movie because the the film was not being run safely because they were rushing in order to save mu- save money. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's that's one of the most high impact stories, um, but it's true across the in- across the industry. You know, people. People dying um, in car wrecks because they just worked 28 hours straight and hadn't slept, you know, Um, and they're driving on the way home. And they like like it's literally, you know, that like that is what I is still fighting for is enough time between shooting days in order to safely get to and from set. Um, So. Uh, you know, it's not it's not what it used to be. Um, the industry is is far more consolidated. Um, money is you know far more in the hands of the tech companies that are buying everything up and and running everything rather than the people who actually make the work. And that's something that you know as as a, as an industry and as union members, we all need to to fight back again. Um, uh, as far as like my enjoyment of uh, you know, things that things that cost money when I when I try to be cognizant of them. Uh, it's really interesting. I mean, uh, I, I try to be, like I said, I try to be ethical in my choices. I try to, I try to make choices that allow me to say that I am genuinely living my values to myself and to others. It's not just to others. It's because I feel better when I do, you know, like Mm I, 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 Again, I genuinely enjoy riding the bus, (laughs) you know, like I like I like being around other people. I like seeing the other people. And I like thinking about the fact that, like, yeah, I'm on, uh, you know, we're all in this together. Um, I'm not costing anybody anything by being on this. You know, this is the most efficient mode of transportation I could use. That brings me like joy. um, Genuinely, Mm -hmm. Um, I don't tell other people to do it. I just enjoy doing it myself. Um, But I, but I also engage in hobbies that are like expensive in in this way, like, like collecting retro video games. Um, I think part of it is that, you know, I have a really strong awareness that, you know, there's, as they say, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. There's no, there's no escaping the system, right? Um, Mm -hmm. There's no, uh, you know, I got to buy electricity. Some of my electricity is produced uh, in ways that are harming the planet, you know? So all I can do is try to live and um, try to... All I can do is try to live while trying to make the world a better place. And part of living means enjoying yourself sometimes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, the other interesting piece of it that it it makes me think about is uh, the way that we communicate with our choices. You were talking about um, you enjoy things that communicate
0: wealth to people, right? Um, you enjoy nice watches. Well, they, well, say, yeah. say what you said again. Well, I mean, I I have always loved nice clothes. I've always loved watches. But, like, the optics of that generally um, put me in a position of, like, snobbery Mm -hmm. or uh, wealth, which I'm – you know, I have never made more than – I'll be honest. I've never made more than $85,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's – I'm still very grateful for it. But it's like I've never – I don't have a college degree. I mm. am a failed musician. You know, I I have no money for my family. My, my, my parents offered me nothing when it was time to go, you know. So like initially, and I've talked about this tons on the pod, like my desire to own these things was because I was looking for a way to be allowed in the room that I thought I wasn't allowed in. Uh, so let's be very clear. Like, yeah, I, I was like, fuck you. I can earn and work just as hard as you and get that watch or get that suit, even though I don't have the connections or wealth or whatever inheritance that you have. Yeah. But now, especially as someone in their late thirties, like I am aware that some of these things communicate to others things that I can't control. And so I'm very conscious of what those things are. And sometimes I try to purposely, like I have a Rolex, but I try not to wear it all the time because I don't want people to think that I'm some dickhead with a Rolex. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't want, and I don't have the time to explain to them, like, hey, you might have just thought that I'm this kind of guy, but I'm actually this sort of dude. And i have you know, and I yeah. give very charitably and i blah. Well, well, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, but it's tough. Cause I'm like, well, damn it. The joy of this ownership is being ruined by the optics of what it means to be the owner.
1: Man, you're, you're, you're doing, we're doing such a wonderful job of, of complicating the very simple, like very simple rant I made about expensive watches earlier. Right. Yeah. Um, because it really comes down to your values and the values you're trying to communicate. So one thing that's really interesting is that uh, this is this is like my girlfriend reading a book about rich people. It was like a sociological study of rich people and telling me about it. I haven't read the book and I don't remember what it was called. But okay. you know, she was talking about how like one of the values of uh, wealthy white society in America mm-hmm. is often generally to downplay the wealth, right? yes um, to 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 say to to not flaunt it right that's the old Kennedy's. money thing to not yeah. flaunt it and, and a lot of ivy style probably originally comes from that right like like oh it's shabby it's rumpled that kind of thing of course now we actually connect that with wealth because i mean it's fucking ivy style they were in the, they were in harvard anyway right yeah so so there's like this there's this weird loop around with it and you know what i gotta say my Own view of when I said earlier, it's not cool to be rich. It's lame to be rich. It sucks to be rich, right? You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be excited to be rich. You should feel a little ashamed. (laughs) You know what I mean. You should. You should. You should not try to flaunt it in that way. That's Mm -hmm. me just expressing that value, right? That I got from uh, osmosis. You know what I mean. And again, I didn't grow up from wealth. My dad was a professor at a state university. You know, Mm -hmm. but I certainly came with a lot of privileges. You know, like I I Mm -hmm. could tell the same story as you, where I said, "Well." my parents didn't give me any money and I, and I had to really scrap it out in New York for a long time, but I'd also say, well, they were able to send me to a, uh, uh, an expensive private college, um, with no debt. Um, you went to Bard, right? I went to Bard college. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I had no debt and that wasn't because my parents were wealthy. It was because they lived below their means for many years in order to save like literally the exact amount of money they needed to. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, they were able to send me with, with no debt. So I was in New York with no debt and, um, you know, I had a good relationship with them. And even though I didn't think about it, if things had really gone south when I was doing comedy for free in New York for 10 years before I was finally paid for it, um, mm-hmm. I could have gone to live with them on Long Island, uh, two hour train ride away, you know? Right. So, so that, those are, those are forms of privilege that like I did have, right. Um, and I, I still benefit from. And so maybe part of me saying, Hey, it's not cool to be rich, right. Is me still expressing some of that value. Hey, downplay, downplay, downplay. Don't show it off. Don't show it off. Don't show it off, right? Oh,
0: so, okay.
1: and so maybe that's, maybe that's a little bit of uh, my own, not hypocrisy, but just sort of like, hey, this is my value that I'm imposing upon others, right? If you're saying, if someone from a more heart, genuinely heart-scrabble upbringing says, hey, I like that shit because it shows I deserve to be in the room, right? Right um well that was my initial entrance but yes go ahead uh and it means something different to me and it means something different to my peers and that's what i'm saying when i do that right and and look we could talk about you know um like hip-hop culture's embrace of luxury brands and all that kind of thing right that that whole other world of uh you know what these things mean like that's a valid set of meanings that i'm not going to argue with you know what i mean um yep. if uh you know someone says hey I bought this expensive watch because I grew up in the projects right now I can afford it and like fuck you here it is I'm not going to be like yeah you suck you know um so so these things are really interesting and complex um when you say uh so let's bring it back to your earlier question um how do I grapple with the fact that the things that I like have meanings that are outside of my control well it's I think the fun thing about clothes is that they're a web of meanings, right? Mm-hmm. Like they everything that you put on, you you know where it was from, you know how it was made, you know, you 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 know what it communicates. That's the fun thing about putting it on and like trying on the different th- You know, who am I gonna be? What am I gonna communicate today? Um, so like one of my favorite things to do now is I'm finally getting to do stand-up comedy again. Um, because you know, stand-up comedy is now happening again in Los Angeles. And when I figure out how I'm going to dress for a show, uh, is really fun because I think about, okay, what kind of room is it? What night is, what night of the week is it? What are other people going to be wearing? And what am I going to communicate about myself by wearing these clothes? Right? So sometimes I'll wear, you know, uh, very much American workwear, beat up jeans, bomber jacket, um, denim shirt, you know, uh, Alden, my Alden indie boots that I've had for years and are all beat up. Hey, right? there
0: you go. 3s Let's go. Yeah.
1: Terrific. Um, And I, and, and that has like a real, you know, I fucking look like I just like walked off the ranch or something, you know? <laughs> and like in some situations, it's cool to wear that. Right. And mm-hmm. in other situations, it's not cool to wear that. <laughs> right. Um, And thinking about where it's going to be cool and where it isn't is, and where, how am I going to feel in it? Um, and what am I going to be communicating in that context is like the fun part of wearing it, you know, like, um, I've got, you know, I've got the, I've got the Seiko Alpinist watch, right. Which is again, beautiful, looks really nice. I've got the Casio G-Shock watch, right. Those two watches communicate different things. And so it's fun to go, okay, I'm walking into this situation, right. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this show or I'm doing this TV appearance or I'm doing this, I'm meeting this particular person, which is the thing I want to say about myself today, you know? Um, So you don't have control over what the clothes say, but you have control over what you are using them to say. Um, And you can say something about yourself that is, you know, dignified and respectful of yourself and the other people, you know, if, if you're going to wear, you know, your $10,000 Rolex, right? If, if you have one, you're like, man, I just love the Rolex and I bought it when it was $1,000. And people are gonna think I'm fucking flaunting this and I'm shoving in their face like I'm Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, right? Like He's a bad egg. He's a bad egg. And he wears maximum wealth signifying like accessories at all times. He's got like the Mm -hmm. fucking like, what is it like? Like the pins that go through
0: the- the... Yeah, he wears collar pins. Yes. Which are very, uh, the funny thing is you would generally wear a collar pin when you have like no sort of collar at all. And it's almost like an oxymoron because there is a very stiff collar that he has. So it's like Mm a heavy starch and like a collar with a ton of interlining and there's a collar pin on it. So it's like a, I mean, if you were like, if you're Jesse Thorne, you're, you're going to look at it and and laugh more because it's like, you don't, they, they cancel each other out. Yeah. But he's yeah.
1: And, and because you know that about the clothes, that's what you're doing, right? You're, you're having that reaction that you want to avoid because he's fucking up by wearing (laughs) that. Or maybe he's not. He's playing a character on TV. He's playing a character yeah. of a rich man, right? Yeah. He's Donald Trump on The Apprentice. He's saying, "I'm so rich and, and incredible," Ooh. right? Yeah. Um, I mean that. Well, he's the fucking Donald Trump of Canada. He like he like didn't he run for president there or something? Like he is. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Actually, he he's the DT over there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that I mean that's what he's doing. He's literally playing that same character, right? Yeah. Um. So that's what he's communicating through those choices, and you know, you by knowing about clothes. Know what the communication is, and you can calibrate yourself so that you don't do that same thing. You know, like so. So sorry. Coming back, coming back to your Rolex,
0: right? Um, you wear it in. You, <laughs> this is a fascinating conversation, by the way. I am thoroughly oh, e- enjoying all this. Oh, I'm
1: so glad. Um, okay. <laughs> well, so you ha- you have the choice. I, I mean, let's just all cut. This is this is just riffing. You know, it's just off the off the top of the head. Um, yeah. But it is fun to think about how I think about it. Um, there are situations in which that Rolex is gonna. Is gonna feel so good, and it's gonna look good yeah. to the people that you're around, and they're gonna appreciate it, you know. And it's gonna feel like you're you're wearing swim trunks to the beach, you know. And then there's times when you're gonna wear it, and it, someone's gonna be like, "Is that dude fucking wearing a Rolex to the dive bar?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like okay. or whatever okay. it is, right? Like that's a that's a a little bit of an easy example, but you know, um, yeah. So I, like I tried to. Uh, for instance, I'm on t- on TV. I'm known for wearing suits on my upcoming yep. show. I'm also wearing suits. Right. Um, but if I wore a suit to a Thursday night comedy show at a, in someone's backyard, right. That wouldn't look good. Right. It would, it would be like, what is, what is this guy trying to do? Right. But if I wear it to, you know, a big, whatever, gala show, you yeah, know, dressing for the sense. occasion. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. That, this this this, may, this maybe sounds like uh sounds too trivial, but like the the context of what you're trying to communicate um really matters. What I do try to do every time is I just try to dress a little bit better than all the other comics. <laughs> and and by that <laughs> sure. I don't mean fancier or more formal or more expensively, but more tastefully. You know, more like more like uh, a little bit more thoughtfully. I try to think about what I'm communicating every single. Um Yeah, I I, I mean, I is a long way of saying a simple thing, perhaps.
0: No, I mean, it's great.
1: So when I think about one of the things when I think about nice things and enjoying nice things, and this is just, again, my own personal ethical uh, thing, is I try to make a distinction when I'm enjoying something nice. I'm like, is this free ice cream or is this a first class seat? Right. And the difference Mm. is free ice cream. That's not hurting anybody. You know what I mean? Anybody can enjoy free ice cream, and in fact, everybody should have the opportunity, and probably will have the opportunity to enjoy free ice cream every once in a while, right? Just sure, to get free ice cream. A first class seat. A first class seat is great, but not everyone can enjoy a first class seat. And specifically, the existence of first class seats make the plane suck more for everybody else, right? <laughs> because to have the first Fair. class seat, they have to cram everybody else in tighter, right? And I remember the first time I was ever flown first class by the network. All right, um, to they they made here's the thing. They fly you first class. The reason they fly, fly your first class is because they make you do the thing that you're doing. They they were like, you have to you have to fly to New York for the upfronts. You have to be there for a whole yep. weekend. You're not going to be paid. We're going to fly your business class, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the first time I was in that seat, I was like, oh my God, this is so nice. Every <laughs> Everyone should be able to fly this way. It doesn't even feel like incredibly nice. It doesn't feel like luxurious. It just feels like respectful of you in a way that the rest of flying doesn't. I have enough leg room. I can recline my seat. They bring me some food. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everyone should get Mm -hmm. to have this. And then I thought and go, hold on a second. The only reason this exists is because it sucks more for everybody else in the back, right? Like it's literally could not be possible for everyone to have this experience. The proper experience to have would be for everybody to have more leg room, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But in order for them to make money, they don't do that. They give some people more in exchange for other people getting less, right? Um, and so I try to pay attention to when I'm, if I'm enjoy- enjoying something luxurious, whether it's coming at someone else's expense or not, right? If it's free ice cream, great. No big deal. Um, if it's uh, harming other people, you know, uh, that's something I try to stay away from. So for instance, I-, I try to think, hey, me buying a new iPhone every single year, that's coming at the expense of other people, right? Because we know that there are mm. people making those, Right. And that they are they're 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 killing themselves to make the iPhones, you know. And yeah, yeah. I, I think in response to that, I try to buy I buy used iPhones because guess what? You could buy a you you buy last year's model. It costs like uh you know a, it costs half the price and it works just mm-hmm. as well. You know you can yeah. upgrade as often as you want. You buy a used one. You know what I mean? Uh, so that, that's something that I try to do. Right uh, versus. Um, you know, if you enjoy if you enjoy collecting watches and you buy a used one every now and again, you know, you go to a vintage dealer and you get a nice one, that's a luxury that you can enjoy and know you're not hurting anybody. Me buying an old copy of Super Mario Brothers 3 on eBay, you're right, <laughs> is not is not like harming other people. Um, so that's that's to the extent that I think about my own personal ethical behavior as mattering um in terms of my enjoyment of luxury. That's a dimension I try to keep in mind, but I also try to remember, look, I mean, I I, I Sometimes they take really long flights and I have a lot of miles and I try to get the upgrade because you know what? Those oh, seats yeah. are there anyway. And I I do need to like say, hey, I need to survive on this flight, you know, and that's something I can do. Um, but I know that there's a difference between the two things and I try to behave accordingly. Um So I, I try to, you know, even as I am participating in capitalism, as we all must do, because we all live under it, I try to do my own work to, you know, dismantle the structures that are like hurting people and killing people. Um and that's the sort of balancing act that I try to, you know, live my life by and folks listening can tell me whether or not they think I'm successful and <laughs> you know I'll I'll always try to adjust and try to do a little bit better but that's the best I've been able to do so far. That's extremely
0: well said. Thank you. I mean I I I think that yeah the fact of like how it may be harming others is, I think, context that I, I I, don't think I I thought of before. And, for sure.
1: and it's important to, the, the important part is you can't totally avoid hurting other people, right? You're an American. You're buying things in America. Sometimes other people are going to get fucked with as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you can do is know what's happening, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and say, okay, when I do this thing, there's a consequence. And I know what it is, and i'm going to do my best to to act accordingly you know um the, so the knowledge comes first uh so what i always try to tell people is don't don't worry so much about like never ever ever doing the thing right just try to say hey when i do the thing when i buy the thing when i use the thing i know in my mind what it is i'm going to enjoy the right. college basketball game but i'm going to know that the people should be paid <laughs> right and i'm going to try to support efforts to get them paid i I love buying the expensive watch, but <laughs> you know, I, I know, I, 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 know what it means, and I, I know what goes into making it, and I'm going to try to act accordingly. You know, that's that's the first step.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I assure you, by the way, there was, I did not feel attacked or anything when you were talking about watch <laughs> stuff. Like, oh, good. I, generally, I'm that, I'm that person. The other way around. Um. Well. This has been really, really good. We're starting to wrap up. I, there's like a few like very rapid fire questions that I'll ask you and then I'll I'll leave you to whatever else you're going to do. Okay, so this is a series of random questions. So if you were making a YouTube how-to video, what would it be? Oh God.
1: Um, you know, I think it would be uh, how to actually invest money <laughs> because, because so many people, there's so much bad information with crypto and with, um, uh, you know, Robin hood and all that, like people okay. are being tricked into putting their money into shitty speculative investments. And I think people should know
0: just like open a goddamn Vanguard account. Oh you know? man, that's, that's some Warren Buffett. Yeah. I mean, his thing is always, is just an index fund is yep. always better than anything else.
1: Yep. And I was lucky enough to like learn that at a pretty young age. Right. Just like the, or not in my twenties. Right. Um, sure. To like gain that wisdom, and uh, it's just one of those things that like they should teach you in school, <laughs> but they yeah. don't um, because people are uh, are losing their shirts when
0: they don't have to. Mm. Uh, last movie you saw? Uh, it was Turning Red. Was the last movie I saw? Did you like it? It's a very controversial movie right now. Is it controversial? I, I, I well, I mean, it, I think because it, it one, it, it's like a Pixar movie that is more for like teen tweens, yeah, versus like toddlers, I mean covering things like periods and stuff like that. Um,
1: oh, yeah. I loved that about it. Um, I love that about it, but I felt that it pulled its punch at the end. Um, I felt that the themes that the movie brought up at the beginning were so mm-hmm. strong and cool and interesting, and at the end, like the literal last line of the movie is, "All of us have a little bit of weirdness inside. What's yours?" And I'm like, "That's not what your movie was about. Your movie oh, was about like your movie sort of was rewrite. about sexual repression and and yeah. and puberty." And, you know, uh, uh, inherited repression um, and trauma and things like that. The movie wasn't about like, we're all a little kooky, <laughs> you know, but that was the ending. And, and I, so I was let down by the end. But I, I did enjoy a lot about it. And, and I'm, you know, uh, it, it does a lot of good then. Uh, last album you heard? Um, oh, I was just listening to, uh, okay, I'll say what I was literally listening to this morning. There's a saxophonist um, in Los Angeles named Sam Gendel. Who does a really interesting um uh avant-garde is gonna put the wrong image in people's
0: heads, but he's a really mm-hmm. he's a really interesting new saxophonist whose work I really love. Last thing you bought online.
1: Um, hold on, I'll go check my receipts folder. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine is putting together hygiene kits for uh homeless folks in our neighborhood, and she had an Amazon wish list. And so I bought her a bunch of tiny uh toothpaste on Amazon. Which as I said earlier, I don't normally use Amazon, but it was her birthday wish that I order her something off this birthday
0: list, yeah. so I
1: did. <laughs> uh, the The last thing I purchased for myself online was a new needle for my turntable. Oh, yeah, diamond? No, just a, just the just the stock. It's the Audio Technica, like sort of standard um, direct drive turntable, and it's oh, got yeah, like the, a
0: Technics whatever.
1: It looks wanderer. like the
0: Technics one, um, okay.
1: but it's not. Uh, but this uh, turntable has a has a very well regarded just stock stylus, mm. um, the ATN95E, if people know their styluses. And so I just ordered a replacement one because I noticed my current one is a little bit bent.
0: Uh, okay, last question. Sure. What is a movie or a book that when someone mentions you feel they understand you?
1: Okay, the last conversation I had with a friend like this um, was we realized we had both read uh, the Rick Perlstein book Nixon Land, um, which is a history of the Nixon years that basically reveals that the entire thing we were brought up with, that like, oh, the hippies and the counterculture revolution and the civil rights movement won the 60s, right? Mm-hmm, and changed mm-hmm. America. This book reveals that in fact, those forces lost and were beaten by the reactionaries, the racists, the um, the Vietnam War lovers, the, you know, all, all those forces won and those forces put Nixon in power and later put Reagan into power and charted the course of the next 50 years of American history. Um, that was like a huge revelation I had from reading that book. And I talked to a friend who mentioned they read the book and I was like, oh my God, you did you learn the thing that I learned? He was like, yes. And we like locked arms and just talked about that for, for a really long time. Um, incredible book, uh, Nixonland by Rick Perlstein. Who, and I interviewed him, by the way, on my podcast, Factually, which you can uh, listen to wherever you get your podcasts. How's that for
0: an end of show plug? That's amazing uh well thanks so much this was really 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 special i'm i'm so grateful for the time we got to spend together today i'm serious it was fantastic
1: oh i had a great time and and i really appreciated the really interesting issues you brought up about this stuff because this is my favorite thing about clothes to talk about
0: (laughs) Uh, all right all right thanks so much all right i'll see you thanks so much yeah heavy right but awesome God, Adam's so freaking cool. Uh, be sure to check out his show, The G Word, on Netflix streaming now. Dial into your Netflix dial. Do, you, do we dial in? Whatever. Get in. Go to Netflix. Watch The G Word. Um, yeah. You've been listening to Blamo. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. We're edited by mar Our theme music by the Mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you heard, you know the drill, share the pod with a friend. Just give him a text. Say, hey, man, listen to this pod. Love you. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, do the deals, follow us on Instagram for all the hot content. And if you want to talk to us, give us your hot take. If you just want to say, hey, Jeremy, you're a nice guy. Or, hey, Jeremy, I had this sandwich the other day. It was really good. Well, great. I would love to hear from you. 917-267-2495. Leave us a message. We'll put it in a future episode. Or, you know, email us like a normal person at info at blamopod.com. And if you want to hang with us, Holy cow, join the Blam fam. You can visit patreon.com forward slash BLAMO, where we have a ton of exclusive episodes in our amazing Slack community. And guess what? This week it's the premiere of the Triple J Show with Gian Delion, John Moy, and me, Jeremy, on the Patreon, only on the Patreon. But otherwise, if you want all the freebies, we'll see you next week. Love you. I think. I mean, I do. I do. I love you guys. All right. See you. Bye.